It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group with financial advisors Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory. The Wise Money Show is brought to you by the attorneys at South Bank Legal, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Homes Team, and Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies. Welcome to another episode of the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group, where every week we're helping you take your next wise step in your financial life. Thanks for being with us. My name is Mike Bernard. Here with me in the KFG studios, my business partners and fellow CFPs, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Yes. So here's the question. What financial skills do you need in order to thrive financially? And I would call that set of skills your skill stack. And what are those skills that you either need to acquire or hire so that you can achieve your version of financial success or even just a foundational level of financial success? So we're going to educate and equip you today and then answer some questions this hour of Wise Money. That's right. That's right. If you have a question for the show, you want to participate in the show, we want to hear your questions. We'd love to hear from you. You can reach out to us a few different ways. You can call or text us 574-222-2000. That's 574-222-2000. And then online, just search wisemoneyshow.com. You submit a question right there on the right. And then wherever you're at on social media, hey, we don't care, but we are there too. Just search The Wise Money Show and like us and follow us and, and stay connected there. Submit questions there as well. All right. So guys, you finance people tend to golf. I've never understood that. <laughs> <laughs> I totally get it. Yeah. Why? <laughs> because golf for me is a nature walk. Yeah, exactly. A four-hour frustrating nature walk. Was, okay, so that's a fair segue because in order to be a good golfer, and I don't mean competitive, Tiger Tiger Woods. I'm just talking about just like, so you can go out and be have safe, fun, be there. safe, or at least have fun where you're just not you know breaking clubs. Yeah. You need to have several skills, and they need to sort of be stacked together. Right. That's where the term, you know, my short game's off or it comes together. Because if you don't have all these skills stacked together, if you can't hit the ball far, hit it straight, control your distance, pitch, hitting out of the sand, I'm terrible at that. What does pitch that. mean? You know, you just you, you oh, pitch, pitch pitching wedge. wedge, gotcha. Or putting, what? right? You don't need to be great in all those, but like you need to have a base level of skill in each of those. Otherwise, you would never golf. I'm pretty so. amazing at keeping it right on the fairway. <laughs> Just never the right fairway is my, my issue. <laughs> I thought you were going to talk about in I in got a wicked slice. In putt-putt, you're pretty good at keeping it in the fairway. <laughs> so, All right, let's apply that, though, to your finances, right? I mean, there's lots of, of different skills that you need to have in your arsenal in order to have some financial success. And it's not that you need to be master in each of these. We're going to talk about this, but you need to have um, you need to have some skills, some basic skills. And Kevin has shared that's that's called your skill stack. So we're going to share what we think your skill stack should be in the area of finance. But I mean, let's first talk about what is a skill stack. Did you come up with that phrase, by the way? I didn't. Is, I, is that a Corhorn original? No, um, I I took it from the idea that we actually, with our technology, we have what we call a tech stack. And so as I was thinking about the idea of our tech stack, and we have all of these different programs that we run and pay for, um, I was thinking, well, what if if I 
related to finances, what does my skill stack need to be? Mm-hmm. Because I either need to be – the, I've seen this with a number of clients. They come to a fork in the road where they have to commit significant portions of time to building mastery in certain areas or they have to um, hire that done. Yeah. So there, but there's there's a there are basic foundational skills that really everyone needs to have. That for the most part, unless you're um, unless you've got significant legacy type wealth, and um, you have people that do everything for you, um, you're going to have to do some things for yourself. And so if if you have to do those things, you want to have some skill. Yeah. Um, I when I was. Um, uh, growing up, the skill one of the skills we had to have was running a lawnmower because we mowed about five acres of our 100-acre farm mm-hmm. uh, for some reason. And um, <laughs> geez, Louise, Dad, if you're listening. Come on, Dad. <laughs> so, um, so then – but when I – as soon as we moved to our first house on Lawrence Street in Mishawaka, um, I got a little lawnmower and I, I mowed. And that's what I thought I was going to be doing. But as as the business grew and my career grew, I went we, – we moved to a different house um, in, on Cedar Cove Court in Granger. And I said, I'm no longer going to mow my lawn. And I remember the day I was looking out back and these guys uh, – they, they, sh- they would show up as a crew and mow my lawn in less than a half hour. And I looked out in their mower. It, it kind of looked like it was broken in half. <laughs> and I didn't fully understand what was going on. But I thought, you know, if I had a mower, it's quite possible mine would be. But because I have delegated this and I write a check once a month to these guys to mow the lawn. And you say, well, wait a minute. Didn't I have the skills to mow the lawn? I did. But in prioritizing other things in my life, I chose not to. So some of these skills you're going to need to develop and do th- – for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. Some of these skills you might develop and then hire those out. All right. So let's let's share ours. And then we can talk about, well, how do you acquire these skills? And then is this a delegatable one, a delegatable one or not? So, mm-hmm. Josh, what do you got? Well, I, I might throw um, some of these skills into different categories. And, and the first ones might um, center around this idea of gaining clarity in your financial life. Um, I think we meet a lot of new folks who maybe come into our office not really fully knowing where they're at financially at any given time. And part of the work that we do is helping them take an assessment of of where they stand, you know, their present financial position. Where are you today versus where you want to get to in the future? And that's a skill to be able to know and be able to track your own finances over time. It's also a habit, by the way. Mm. You know, all of these things, if you gain the skill but you never have the habit of actually doing them, then, you know, what's the point? It's, it's not actually going to give you lift in your, in your life. So it's the application of these skills that matters. But I'm talking about uh, things like understanding where cash flow is going um, and also uh, having the, the skill to know how to control where it goes as well. So I'm talking about budgeting versus tracking the the cash flow in your financial life on a monthly basis. That's a skill. You need to have the right tools and systems in place. But just understanding, well, how complex do you need to get with this budget? 
Mm-hmm. How how much of the minutia and the details do you need to be tracking? Um, you know, I actually just had a meeting with one of my client's daughters who's in grad school and now for the first time is kind of running her own finances and she just needed some help understanding, well, how do I structure cash flow because I'm living on loans and gifts and work uh, that I do on the side. Yeah. So I, I was thinking that as well. You, you, it seems like the foundational skill that you can delegate some of it, but inherently you've got to have the skill of not spending more money than is coming in. And you took it a little geekier than, I mean, I'm proud of you. (laughs) Way to go, Josh. Um, You know, you need to track it and all that sort of stuff. And yeah, I mean, that can be some window dressing. No, there's a lot of value to that. But at at the core, 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 what's the skill within it is not spending more than is coming in each month. Live within your means, right? That's right. And so I would, and and that's sort of, that's such a foundational skill that I would say it compounds into other skills as well. So, Well, that one sets up uh, the ability or the skill <laughs> at just saving and investing for the future. I mean, that's, well, my, right? that's my second one. If, if, I were to, if I were to look, I would say that the foundational skill is you've got to make sure that you spend less than what you take in. And then, you know, so if, if you've got that working, then, well, what do you do with the difference? And then I would say the skill is you need to learn how to save that money. And I don't mean, you know, logic would say, well, if you're not spending it, then it's being saved. Yeah, but it can be saved in different places for different purposes. And you need to have that skill of Mm -hmm. knowing, yeah, this money needs to be saved for the long term. This money needs to be saved for the intermediate term. This money needs to be saved for the short term. So I don't know. And guys, you know, there's lots of other skills that kind of branch off of each of those two. But that's like to me, that is it. If you were to look at someone's financial life, you're looking for those two skills. There's a lot more. And I'm just going to tell you uh, when we before we started recording, Josh said he had 25. So I hope you have your seatbelt on. No, there's a lot to hit coming up here on the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. What financial skills do you need to have? Foundational financial skills do you need to have and are equipped with so that you can have some measure of financial success in the future? Some of these skills we've already mentioned, they're sort of compounding. You've got this skill, it tees you up to get this skill right as well. And so that's what we're sharing today. This is the Wise Money Show. Thanks for being with us. My name is Mike Bernard. Here with me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Need to say thanks to the attorneys at South Bank Legal. Thank you very much, as well as First State Bank for making the Wise Money Show possible. We appreciate that. To stay up to date on all Wise Money content, you can find us online, wisemoneyradio.com. And then you can also, anywhere you're at in social media, you'll find us there too. Just search the Wise Money Show and follow us and leave comments and all that. Stay connected. All right. So quick definition of a financial skills stack. It's sort of the foundational skills that you need to have. Um, It's similar to a tech stack. You've got to know how to do email and you've got to know how to 
use a word processor and all those sorts of things. Um, but what are the financial skills that you need to have so that you can leverage those and have financial success? Josh and I have shared a couple. Kevin, you haven't yet. What do you got? Well, I I like the – and Josh is talking about some of the nitty-gritty basic stuff, which is awesome. The One of the skills that I think a lot about is kind of the skill behind the skill. So there's a, one of the skills that applies not only to your financial skill stack, but there are other components of your life that you need to have skills in. Um, and so one of those is to just be a, a lifetime learner. Mm-hmm. So I, and, and have, a, have a curiosity, be interested. And so when I was in college, I got the Wall Street Journal every day uh, delivered to my house. And basically what that was is it just created a recycle uh, pile uh, that <laughs> periodically we would uh, do our good deed and take it to the uh, recycling program. Um, and I didn't really get much of a chance or, or take much of a chance to read it. But I, I do read the Wall Street Journal on Saturdays. It's one of my favorite things to do is – uh, send one of my kids out to the mailbox to get the Wall Street <laughs> Journal, and then sorry, sorry, half a mile Chris. walk. <laughs> <laughs> See you in twenty minutes, and then uh, just read the read the Wall Street Journal with um, uh, with a cup of coffee, and you learn things. You the the interesting thing about the Wall Street Journal, people think, oh, well, that's got to be boring and dry and kind of stuffy. And um, they they picture something out of uh, trading places. You know, um, that's a yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, um, just Google it. So, <laughs> so that's not at all what finance is. And I just recently read this incredible article about WeWork, and this is a company that the value was pumped up, 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 up to forty-seven billion dollars, and then by the time it was ready to do its IPO. I think they were able to grow the value to about eight billion oh, from from forty seven, and there were some underlying factors. And you look at that and you think, well, okay, these are these are related to people's financial life, but these are it it really is life. These are life things that we that you should be learning about and paying attention to, and say, hey, look, if this is what could take a guy down or a company down, um, or cause this entity to struggle. What is it, how, do, how does that apply to me? And if you, if you make the application, and, and almost always there's a theme in what takes folks down financially. Um, but you, you learn from those. So I think, okay, the, the skill behind the skill is being interested yeah. Being a lifelong learner. And then the thing that I would encourage people to do, because a lot of times you you have to work on your motivation. And some people say, hey, I'm not really motivated. I don't really give a rip about my finances. And I, I was doing a, a job review with a 23-year-old in our organization. And I was talking to him about the 33-year-old version of him is begging him to do these things. And we had an interesting conversation, but where it turned and got even more interesting was he said, well, I'm, I'm just thinking about what, what a difference 
has happened since the 13-year-old version of me. <laughs> so at 23, wow. if you look back, the, the, I mean, you talk about some radical changes from 13 to 23 and 23 to 33. And in that little sweet spot of time, if you set the fi- financial foundation for your life, what what the rest of your life can look like could be just absolutely amazing. Yeah. And it's it's kind of like your grade point in college. If you start out the first couple of semesters with a really high grade point, it's hard to work that off. Yeah. Um, I was able to do it, but um, uh, most people most people can't. But um, if you start out with a two point or two point, you know, two and a half, you're going to have a hard time getting that anywhere near four by the end of your college career. Yeah. So it's 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 very interesting. And so the the two skills, the skill behind the skill, which mm-hmm. is figuring out how to learn. How do I learn? Can I learn from YouTube? Do I need to learn from just going to someone who has their financial act together and say, will you teach me? What What is it? How do I learn? And then having a a vision, a, a, a powerful, motivating vision that drives my behavior. You know, that that's maybe a good segue into one of the most important skills that I believe everyone needs to have, including that 23-year-old that you're you're referring to. And that's the the skill the ability to set great financial goals for your life. And that's something that you can start immediately. And in fact, the sooner that you begin picturing the future and and trying to design a better version of your life, that's going to drive all the decisions that you make along the way, or it could anyway. Many people who kind of bump along in their financial life, it's because they don't have that, that uh, vision or that target that they're shooting for. They haven't practiced the skill of regularly setting goals for themselves, setting priorities, and uh, making adjustments along the way. So that ties into mine. And, and it's, I mean, this is a skill, and it's absolutely it's a life skill. Um, one of my favorite books is Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. And his first habit is be proactive. And if you watch on YouTube, you would have seen a Next Wise Step vlog video about the benefit financially of being proactive. But that's it. And and it's going to be hard to be proactive, Josh, if you don't have a vision for your life and you don't have goals. But, um, Kevin, what you were just talking about, the, about the 13-year-old to 23 to 33, the ability to start on the right financial journey early, being proactive, oh, could set you up for just incredible peace financially over your lifetime. And so Covey calls it a habit. I would agree. But it's a skill that of just to, being intentional to say, what do I want? And therefore, how should that drive my behavior today? Absolutely. So I'm curious about investments. You know, this is a show about wise financial principles. And most times people think they go to dessert and they think investments. Um, but your financial life is more than just investments. Investments are a component, one of six, okay? But with skill, what skill does someone need to have within the realm of investing? You know, I I feel like one of the most important things um, to understand about your investments is how to measure the risk that's inherent in them. You know, some people downplay risk and they think, oh, you know, I just throw money in and it's just always going to always gonna grow. Every, every year is a good year. 
in the in the markets. And even though we would agree that most years are good years, there is volatility in, or, or there's levels of risk with each type of investment. And being able to, to recognize what level of risk do you need to be taking in order to achieve your goals? Because as a rule of thumb, as the risk grows, the expected returns or the rewards should grow with it as well. But sometimes you can get a disconnect between the two. I, really quick, Kevin. Um, I, I'm going to defer the right answer to the next segment. <laughs> <laughs> I also want to disagree with you as well, because I, I think there's, Fantastic. there's a, um, there's a, there's, there's, you're close, but there's something <laughs> that leads to that risk, that, that risk talent. So we've got a few more. I'm, I'm also thinking about insurances and retirement and so the, the six areas of your financial life. What are the skills that you need? And so we're going to be hitting those. We also have a great, great question coming up about, uh, about insurance and what you should expect your premium, how you should expect your premium to change. So we've got that more coming up here on the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. What are the financial skills that you need to have to be successful? But more importantly, right now, and I know you're thinking about this, what sort of investing skills do you need in order to have financial success? Can you delegate those completely? Or are there some foundational skills you need to have with investing? That's what we're talking about. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being with us. My name is Mike Bernard. I'm your host here with me, my business partners, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Thank you to Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies, as well as Diane Bennett and her Inspired Homes team. If you're not listening uh, to the show on the YouTube channel, you can, and I'd encourage you to do so. Just go to YouTube, search The Wise Money Show. Every episode of The Wise Money Show is there, and then vlogs and other contents there as well. You can leave questions there. So subscribe to it, hit that bell, and smash that thumbs up button. So, All right, we're talking about your financial skills stack and what skills you need to have uh, Either, either that you've hired from other people or foundational ones that you have yourself in order to have financial success. And we're talking about investing. Josh said you need to have the skill of knowing what your risk level is, and and that I want to take it from there. But Kevin, how would how would you? What, what skill do you think is needed? And and just a little caveat, I wouldn't uh, disagree with Joshua if he was right. But the, the thing about the me, this idea of measuring risk, and I like that. that that's a that is a very advanced skill, though. And when you when I look at what's what's foundational versus advanced, and what should I be on the hook for, what should I delegate? That I I'm going to leave that one alone. And I say, if you were going to have a skill related to investing, it would be understanding the fundamentals of investing. You okay. mean like. Measuring risk and returns is that what no, you're talking about? No, I no 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 no. I wouldn't give. A, I actually wouldn't give a rip. Ab- especially if I'm er- young, I wouldn't give a rip about measuring risk. I would say that owning the greatest companies in the world gives you a hedge against the inflation that the greatest companies in the world create. 
So you want to own the greatest companies in the world. Right. Now, sure. some pointy-headed, you know, geeky ivory tower academic might say, well, what's the risk inherent in those companies? No, own the companies. So and what's the best way to own the companies? You just own a little bit of them a month at a time or every two weeks at a time. And you just systematically invest. And you just have to know that investments go up and they go down. Okay. So I heard in there uh, that the skill of saving periodically, so every single month, consistently over time, that is a skill I think you need to have. That's, that's one you can't delegate away. The other one is the reason why I, I disagree on risk is um, I think you need to have the skill of, of having the right expectations for investing, which you were saying, you know, understanding how they work. Yeah, yeah but in essence, what I said. So uh, that's kind of what I said too. But whatever. <laughs> you need to you need to have the right expectations for your investments. Otherwise, if you don't, you could realize those expectations were wrong and make an enormous mistake. Or you just never get into the game. Yeah. To Kevin's point, investments go up and down. Own them over the long term. Get into them systematically. But understand what are the risks and what are the ones that you've been putting in your head? Because we've all heard stories of so-and-so lost their shirt in the stock market or, man, I got burned back in 2008 and 2009. And because you, you haven't embraced this tool of long-term investing, some, some people check out of the game entirely and it affects their financial future dramatically, more than they'll even realize. Yep. And so embracing the right level of risk so that you're not being too conservative in your financial life. It goes back to one of those very first skills that we mentioned. You need to live well within your means so that you have capacity to save for the future and not just save, but invest for the future. Yep. Yep. And, and so, and so here's the example. So I had a friend who thought that he wanted to be doing investments. So he bought and sold and bought and sold Marathon Oil. He was watching Marathon Oil and he had a good sense for what it was doing. And it went up uh, a pretty good margin. So he said, hey, you know, I'm going to get out of Marathon Oil and get into Chesapeake Energy. Mm. And I think he got in at $6 a share and he got out at 60 cents a share. That's heartbreaking. So I think the idea of understanding risk is a little bit of a fallacy. I think it'd be way easier to understand what you should do and not do. So what about so so I love the idea of of the skill of periodically investing, of just staying with it and talk about that whenever the next recession comes, commit now that you're going to continue to invest during that time. And then we all agreed that having the right expectations is also an important skill with investing. But what about knowing what investment mechanisms to use. Like you bring up a stock. Well, everyone owns Chesapeake Energy. A small sliver of it in some mutual funds they probably had, or if you own the S&P 500 index or something. Mm -hmm. But this individual that you mentioned owned a lot of it. They were concentrated mm -hmm. in it. So you should have the skill of knowing what investment tools to use. Mm -hmm. And where to place those tools as well. You know, if, if we were to um, look at where your investment decisions or those skills align with tax-related skills, 
which type of tax shelters should you be using? What type of retirement accounts, whether it's an IRA or a Roth IRA? That is specialized knowledge that um, you may not have had when you first started on your journey of building for the future, when you first started your first job, that kind of thing. You, you may not know, do I use a Roth IRA? Do I use a traditional IRA? Do I use my 401k at work? But knowing which ones make the most sense in your financial life, choosing the right retirement vehicles and the investments inside them, to your yeah. point, is an important skill. Okay. So as we begin to kind of wind down this topic of, of financial skills, now that one, even which investments to use in which accounts, and then the tax strategies, are you suggesting each person needs to find out how to master that? Or are those are those two of the skills that really can be delegated away and oftentimes because of the amount of time it takes to learn and stay up to date on those rules should be delegated? Yeah, in my mind, I'm not, I haven't been during this show distinguishing between which skills you need to have between your two ears versus your spouse having them or having some professional or some guide coming along to supplement your skill level or better yet, someone who can guide you and educate you so that your own investment savvy, your own tax savvy is growing over time. Yeah, because, and I, I would agree with you, although I think there are there are some foundationally that even if you do, if, if you are always spending more money than you have coming in, even working with a professional, they would just need to help you get that skill because that's your right. day-to-day choices, your day-to-day cash flow. Um, but yeah, a lot of these, if you're weak in, you know, we all have strengths and weaknesses. If you have a weakness in, um, in one of these areas or you just don't have the, the desire to learn everything, I mean, that is where you need to have a financial coach involved to help you have those skills without you possessing them between your ears. Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, we, we've said on this show many times that financial freedom, as you grow in your freedom, you're growing in the choice or the options available to you. And that is a skill, making great financial choices, whether mm. that's a, something as simple as how do you buy a car? How do you get the right mortgage in place? How do you apply for financial aid? How do you get out of debt? I mean, all, all of these types of um, finite, very specific skills, these choices that you make, your financial future is dependent upon the accumulation and the compounding of great decision-making, great choices in your financial life. And in my opinion, the way to make great financial choices is by seeking out wisdom for, from those who have made the choices many times before you and can help you have a different perspective so that you get as many of those choices right and it, it drives you towards a better future. That's a double tap moment as well. If you're on the YouTube channel, you double tap left and listen to that again. That Josh, that's wise. Yeah, so you want to have the skills, but you want to have the virtue of humility. Mm. Yeah, that's good. Those, those two combined, are that, that's the, the killer. So go out and take your next wise step. I mean, that, that's really the thing. Some of it is, hey, if there's, if there's a foundational uh, weakness that you have in your financial life, I'd encourage you to get serious about it. Get the skills. If you want to lifelong learn, continue to listen to, to the Wise Money Show. Get some financial books and read some blogs and so on. And then if you don't have a coach and, and don't have that wisdom, in your life, I'd get that as well. We've got great questions coming up here on the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. 
This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. The Wise Money Show is brought to you by the attorneys at South Bank Legal, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Homes Team, and Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies. Thanks for tuning in. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. My name is Mike Bernard. Here with me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. We want to say thank you to special uh, special sponsor, Auto Owners, special, is sponsoring this segment of the Wise Money Show. Thank you for your partnership and for your willingness to help in the pursuit of providing financial wisdom. If you've missed anything and you love listening to podcasts, you'll find the Wise Money Show wherever you listen to podcasts. Just search the Wise Money Show and you'll find us there. I'd encourage you to subscribe to it and rate it as well and leave a comment. We, we appreciate that. All right, let's jump into questions from the show. And uh, the first question comes from Jessica. She's 39 and lives in Mishawaka. How much, ooh, this is a good one. How much should I expect my insurance premiums to go up each year? Is there a normal amount? What do you guys, I get this question a lot because, you know, cost is such a large component of, um, of your feelings about your insurance. <laughs> now we would tell you, you've got to make sure you've got the right coverage. How do you know if you have the right coverage? It's not trying to anticipate all of the risks that could possibly happen. It's to look at your financial situation and say, what coverage is appropriate given my situation? Now, once you do that, you want to make sure that you're paying the right cost long-term. But, you know, prices do go up consistently. And so what's a good expectation to have? Well, I think I would almost divide it between auto and home insurance because although you think, well, it's kind of the same thing and I'm writing one check to the same company, it's two totally separate things. So they're, they're, typically when you look at your car insurance, there are factors that cause your rates to go up that you may or may not be aware of. And I would just give you a I mean, there's there's 10 that I could rattle off right now that would make it make your stuff go up. You your one is your your claims history. Did mm-hmm. you if you hit a deer and then someone backed into you in the parking lot and then you had a third claim for some reason, your your insurance is going to go up. As a matter of fact, your insurance might go up enough that you are going to want to change companies. But if your claims record is is awful, um, whether it's your fault or not, because I've seen folks where it was a, due to no fault of their own, they they had a, an undesirable claims record. There aren't, a, There's not another insurance company out there that's going to get excited about going on risk. And if they're going to go on risk, they're going to adjust their prices accordingly. It, 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 it mm-hmm. is, you know, from, from, a, from a consumer standpoint, just from a logical standpoint, you look at that and say, what a ripoff. Hmm. I'm buying the insurance so that it's there for me when I need it. And then you penalize me when I use it. And, and yet that's how, the, that's how the system works. It is how the system works. So I would encourage you, there's two ways to approach insurance. One is to bet that you're going to be in an accident and so pay extra and have really low deductibles. The other is to bet that you're not going to be in an accident 
and get a really high deductible. But you can't just have a high deductible. You need a high deductible and a fully funded emergency. Yeah, uh, those go hand in hand. Yeah, don't they? right. Because otherwise, you're just you're just putting yourself in a bad spot. So your your driving record, your claims history, and again, that's why I would tell you don't make insurance your first dollar of protection. Make your cash reserves the first thousand. I'd say up to $2,500 of protection. And so if you have a little fender bender or a ding here or there, get it fixed and, and write the check and don't claim it. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not saying hit and run, but I'm saying, look, if you have just a little, uh, a little deal, fix it yourself. Yeah. Or, or, you know, if you have a, if you have a, a ding in your door, talk to the, your local guy that does paintless dent removal, mm-hmm. have him pop that thing out for a couple bucks in your in your head. So that can be it. If you change your address, you could be in a, a, a new place that is more expensive. And part of what your insurance is based on, it's based on a number of things, your age, your, um, your credit score, where you live is also a factor. Um, it could be a, a new driver that uh, was added to your policy, especially if it's a youthful driver. So a 16-year-old comes online, just at that point, just pretend it's monopoly money because it's it's very expensive. So there's a lot of factors that play into it. Some of it are sort of within your influence. Some of it is not. You know, when your 15-year-old turns 16, that you know we all know. But if everything stays equal, you should still expect that your insurance costs are going to go up each year. You should. And to me, to me, and, you know, don't throw any, you know, bananas or lettuce or whatever at me on the street. I think 5, 5%. If, if it's less than 5% or at 5%, you should say, yeah, great. That's what I expect. Yeah. If, if you're north of 10 or 15% in any given year, that's where you may want to just be investigating. Just understand why it's increasing. And, and you look back at the list of things that Kevin just shared and said, well, yeah, what has changed? Well, maybe you're driving a different vehicle. Maybe uh, the, the number of ve- uh, drivers in your household have changed, that, that kind of thing. But- or maybe, maybe last year was only 2%. The year before that was 3 And so this year is 7 And so, okay, it, yeah, it's averaging out where it's going to be, you know, below that 5, 000, or 5% level. So, oh, go ahead, Kevin. Well, so we were talking about skills earlier. One of the skills you have to do, the skill of looking at your stuff and understanding it, comparing it to what you had before and what are the changes. Because, yes, um, insurance companies do make mistakes. So maybe they've made a mistake. And the other thing that I would say is, did somehow your payment plan get changed. Oh. If you it, because there are ways really what you want to do is be talking with your agent and saying, "Hey, is there any way that I can change what I'm paying?" Cuz if they said, "Yeah, if you pay for this 6 months at a time and you get a paid in full discount, that's a way to save some money." Wouldn't that be good to know? So you need to be talking with your agent and engaging in the process. That is one of the skills you'd want to have in your skill stack. You know, one of the ways that you engage in the process is reviewing some documents that come to you probably on an annual basis, maybe even semi-annual, uh, called a declarations page. And 
you know, you may look at that when you open it up and it says this is not a bill, but it has a bunch of numbers on it. A lot of people just set that aside and never even look at it because it doesn't require you sending some money in necessarily. It's also but really confusing and it, really boring to look at, too. It and, can be. And but, doesn't make any sense. And doesn't make any sense. But okay. other than that, it's a great thing to review, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? This is where they're summarizing for you exactly what you're paying money for, though. And, um, you know... One thing that's going to change over time is on your homeowner's policy, if you have replacement cost um, provisions built into this this policy, the assumption is is that the cost of replacing that house is going up over time. This is kind of inflation just happening right before your eyes. And so it's being ratcheted up at a certain rate. And so we would expect that if you're essentially buying more coverage every year, then the price would go up a little bit at a time. Yeah. Yeah. And and if you've ever been in the situation where a tornado went down the street and your insured got the check because they had their replaced bed replacement coverage and they had the right amount and everyone up and down the street had the wrong amounts of insurance and we're waiting on the check and we're getting the wrong amounts. And you can see the difference between insurance done right and not because the, the truth is every. Almost everyone's got insurance, right? But you never know if you have the right insurance until you have the claim. And when you see a claim and there's a, a city block that's been devastated and your insured had the right coverage and, and, and they are happy and their neighbors are discouraged and distressed, it's a big deal. So essentially, Jessica, thanks for the question. We get this one all the time. You should expect your insurance premiums to go up. Um, each year, and they're going to go up by varying amounts, but but over time they will be going up. And I would tell you, don't panic if it's on average around five percent. But then, number one, make sure that you've got the right coverage because paying for anything and the price going up for the wrong thing is a waste of money. So so you got to make sure you've got the right coverage. You do so in the context of one plan, and then and then I would look at the things that are within your control as ways to improve that price. Um, you know, there's a lot of a lot of companies will offer a painful discount or some other discount, and you got to take advantage of those things. Otherwise, you're you're letting the little dollars slip through your fingers, and they can all compound towards your goal. So, great question. I hope that helps. And thank you, Auto Owners, for sponsoring this segment. That's all the time we have for today. On behalf of Josh Gregory, Kevin Corhorn, myself, and all of us at Corhorn Financial Group, have a great weekend. We'll see you next Saturday for the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Securities offered through Silver Oak Securities, member FINRA slash SIPC. Advisory services offered through KFG Wealth Management, LLC. Doing business as Corhorn Financial Group. KFG Wealth Management, LLC and Silver Oak Securities Incorporated companies are unaffiliated.